Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Welcome to City Church. How you doing? Oh man, hey, I'm so glad you're here. My name is Drake. I'm the pastor here, and it's an honor to have you gathering with us today. Anybody tired of this video yet? We've been in this series, if you haven't been here, we've been in this series for 10 weeks. 10 weeks, that's a long time. We've been walking through the book of 1 John. John is Jesus' best and closest friend on the planet. He is now 80 to 100 years old, kind of Grandpa John, writing to the early church, encouraging them, instructing them, directing them, and he's been downloading some amazing, amazing stuff on our hearts and minds. And we've, we talked about this often. One of the best ways to get to know you, outside of spending time with you, is to get to know someone who knows you really well, Right? someone closest to you. In fact, I might find out more of the truth about you by hanging out with the people closest to you rather than getting your version, right? Because my version is typically a little more shiny than other people like to uh, present. And so, again, we get to know Jesus not only by spending time with him, but also by getting to hang out and listen to one of his nearest and dearest, best and closest friends on the planet, and that was John. So let me back up for a minute. No matter where you walked in on your spiritual journey today, I want you to just kind of evaluate this situation for me. You and I are constantly in these positions, these circumstances, connected to our relationships. So it doesn't matter, I mean, any and all relationships, right? Throw the wide, wide net over that. All of our relationships, we end up in these crossroads, right? To where uh, um, we either have to choose, especially when conflict happens or, you know, that there, there's a disagreement or something challenging happening or you're just, you know, around someone with a challenging personality like me. Yeah, it's funny you laugh because it's true. And, and, and so, right, what happens in our, in our relationships when we find ourselves at these crossroads? We, we have a couple of options. We can choose, and again, regardless of whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, this is totally applicable for you and I. You can choose to withhold. You can choose to withdraw. You can, you can choose to be selfish in your relationships, right? Is that an option? Yes, with me? Okay. Yeah, you ever pick that one? Yep, just me? Cool. All right. And then, and then you can choose to love and to serve and to be selfless, right? You have those two options, right? There's not normally a neutral Normally, it's one of those two options. And most of the time, let me just ask you this question. Most of the time, the latter tends to serve us and others better in the long run, yeah? Would you agree? Like when we choose to love and to serve and to be selfless and not make it about us, that normally makes our relationships a little better, yeah? Right, totally true. So, so here, here's what's ironic. It's like we know that, but then at the same time, how many times do we choose the opposite, right? <laughs> how many times do we... Do we not quite show up as selfless as we could have? How many times do we have regrets? Regrets. You guys seen that tattoo? That's funny. Sorry, it's just in my mind. Right? Even though we know that, that serving others and, and being selfless is going to be helpful, we still have this struggle. And, and here's what I think happens if we're being honest. Sometimes, like, you ever been in that really good space like, where you're just, like, emotionally, menti- mentally, physically, like, spiritually, you're just, like, in the zone, you know what I'm talking about? And so then something happens, and, and like, they might deserve the ugly response. They might deserve, you know, like, it might be a moment where you really could, you know, choose the, the selfish option, but then you just show up, like, on your A game, and you love and serve anyway. You ever been there? And you're like, mmm, take that, 
How do you like being served and loved, you know? You know, and you get those moments, you just feel really good about it, right? Sometimes you really have those moments, and that's awesome. But you've been on the other side when, like, you really want to choose what's right. You really want to choose what's good. You really want to choose what's going to make that relationship work out well. But then you don't. And you know what I found is that sometimes I don't because I feel like I'm empty. You ever been there? You're like, I don't have anything left to give. You ever been there? Like where your tank is just on empty. True or false? You and I cannot give what we don't have. That's totally true. And so I think there's moments in our relationships, there's, there's definitely moments in like the closest relationships, but also, again, apply it in every circle of influence that you have. There's moments in our relationships when we are, are up against a wall to where there's something that we, we maybe would like to give or need to give, and we just don't have it. And so the question is, well, then what, what do we do then? What do we do then? Let me, let me ask you this way. If, if I asked you to give something to someone that you don't have, what do you need to do? You need to go get that thing first in order to give it, correct? Right, so let's just say, hey, Ashlyn, I want you to give Connor a pony. Right, do you have a pony? Okay, so I'm at first, first, what does Ashlyn need to do? If Ashlyn wants to give Connor a pony, what does she gotta do? She's gotta go get a pony and then give it. Listen, I expect this to happen within like seven days, okay? So don't, don't disappoint, okay? Right, uh, 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 you know, if, if I expect you to, you know, hey, I want you to give me a million dollars, anybody? That's your chance. I got some special healing oil in the back. I'll, no, I'm just kidding. We're not that kind of church, okay? It's a total joke, guys. Please don't leave. Okay, all right. Um, right, million dollars, right? You can't give what you don't have. Or like Danielle, she would look at me and say, you know, I want you to give me some empathy. <laughs> and I, that's a joke because I don't have a lot of that. Uh, work, working on that one. Where do I go to get that? Is there an empathy store? What's the answer? What's the answer? If, if I want to give something, I have to first go and get it if I don't have it, yeah? And so, so let, let's, let's make it even wider, okay? Let's go to what it looks like to have a relationship with God. God asks us to give a lot of things that you and I don't innately have. Think about it. God asks us to love him. How's that going? You doing that perfectly? Keeping that all together? Not, not drop the ball at all? Right, God asks us to love each other. How's that going? I mean, even the people you like, how's that going? Right? Isn't it frustrating that even the people that, does, like, they're semi-worthy of your love, you know what I'm talking about? Like, they're, they're actually good people, and you like them, and you're still a jerk? Right? Man. Right? But then, listen, then he's like, hey, why don't you go love some strangers? What? That's just weird, Jesus, okay? You're asking me to love strangers? What about your enemies? Okay, now, now you're just asking too much. That's not even realistic. Why in the world would I love my enemies. And then, you know, he asks us to love those people. You know what I'm talking about? You know those people? Like, you're looking at one of those people, right? Yeah, yeah, you gotta love me too. And, and so then you, you ask the question, you're like, okay, seriously, like, I don't do any of that perfectly, and so how do I, how do I do something? How do I give something that I don't have innately in myself? Today, John is going to give us some insight into God's character, and this is so helpful. God is going to tell us who he is before he tells us what to do. This is so important because, I, listen, I don't know your background, spiritual journey, all that stuff, but sometimes we get, like, a relationship with Jesus and religion mixed up. And religion is do all of these things so that God will love you. And a relationship with Jesus is look how much God has loved you and let it change you. 
It, it changes the entire conversation. And so we talk a lot about identity around here at City Church, that our identity informs our activity, that before God tells me what to do, he reminds me of who I am. And today, he's going to take a step back even more and remind us of who he is, which is really, really important. Because I, because I don't know where you are and who you think God is, but we get to lean in and listen to what he says. And today, God is going to tell us that he is love. And this is one of those really widely known verses in the Bible that people probably couldn't find if they wanted to, but they know it. And, you know, it's tattooed somewhere, and they can quote it. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But God is going to tell us that he is love today. And, and more importantly, that he is the source of love. That if you and I are going to give something we don't have, we've got to go to the source. So let me give you, like, a, a picture here. Anybody been to Old Faithful? You guys got that? Yeah. Look at that picture. Anybody been there? Anybody? I have not. I've only had the privilege of envying others who have. And... Um, as a joke, because some of our staff went last week, and they sent all their pictures, and oh, look how cool, and right, so Old Faithful, right, is, is this really awesome thing you get to go hang out and see, and, and there's this old dead guy, his name is Gregory of Nyssa, that's how I refer to old theologians, by the way, in case you didn't, okay, old dead guy, okay, it's awesome, Gregory of Nyssa, old theologian, he says it this way, when we're thinking about the love of God, the character of God, the person of God, and, and again, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, I want you to like wrestle with this, sit in this quote, he says that God is like a spring of water bubbling out of the ground. He says that when you come to that spring, or when you come to, I, I, the picture for me was, was Old Faithful, you, you might marvel, think about it, what do people do when they get around Old Faithful? That's, that's all they do is marvel, right? Like, oh, oh, ooh, oh, right? That's all, all it is. You might marvel at the water constantly gushing up and out. Yet, there would never be a point as you stand there looking at it where you could, you, you could say that you've seen all the water, right? He says, how can you see all the water that's still hidden in the earth? So no matter how long you might stay at the spring, you would always be only beginning to see the water. He says it's the exact same with the person who fixes his gaze on the infinite beauty and love of God. It's constantly being discovered anew, never exhausted. And as God continues to reveal himself, man continues to wonder. And he never exhausts his desire to see more, since what he is waiting for is always more magnificent, more divine than that which he has already seen. Isn't that deep? Old dead guys for the win, right? Like, man. He says the love of God is like that. We're blown away by it over and over again, but right when we think we've got a handle on it, we're only just beginning to see the depth and the magnitude and the amazing love of God for us. That's where we're going today, okay? So, 1 John chapter 4, verse, verse 7. We'll kick it off, okay? Beloved. Over and over again, John uses this language. Beloved. And literally, that means that you're loved. Okay, this is so important. Again, I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey, but I need you to know, man, if you're not a follower of Jesus, today's conversation is for you. And if you are a follower of Jesus, today's conversation is for you. Okay, you guys with me? This is so helpful. Before God tells you to love others, he tells you that you're loved. Right? Religion says love people so that God will love you. Do good things so that God will love you. 
But Jesus invites us into a relationship with God that says receive the love of God, let that love of God fill you, let the love of God flow through you, and love other people with the love of God that you've already received. You see the difference? You go to the source. So, beloved literally means that you are loved. Let me, just, just before we get into this verse a little more, you, you might hear this, and, and different backgrounds lead to different feelings concerning like a relationship with God. So some people kind of get stuck. They're like, well, I've done some bad things. I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've trusted in Jesus, what John's going to remind us is, listen, God's a good dad. He loves you. He's a father who likes to like walk with his kids. You say, man, I've done some bad things. Well, God still loves you. Your dad loves you. You say, well, listen, I, I haven't been like, you know, totally obedient. I'm struggling with some stuff. And John would say, your, your dad's love can change you. You might say, well, well listen, like, like, it's not just that I've done some bad things. It's not just that I'm struggling with some stuff, but like, I've actively done some things recently on purpose. Like, I intentionally did the things that I know I shouldn't be doing, and I, it's, it's eating me up on the inside. What do I do with it? And John would say, listen, your dad's love forgives you. That's the relationship. Listen, this is so important. When we talk about the love of God, it's his character, not my performance, not your performance, that allows this reality to exist. You guys with me on this? This is so important. God is love. Check it out. Beloved, let us love one another. He's talking to followers of Jesus, and, and he's going to kind of build a circular argument, okay? Let us love one another, for love is what? From God. You see the source language, right? We talked about it. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Born of God being, I, I was spiritually dead and Jesus made me spiritually alive. By, by trusting in Jesus, he gave me new life. He uses this word knowing, not like intellectual, cognitive, I know about God. God exists out there. But knowing relationally, intimately, as a father and a child. You guys with me on this? Okay. He says that if you've been born, you know God. And anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. There it is. Let's park here for just a second, okay? God is love. And this is so important because he absolutely is love. But God is not only love, okay? This is one of the cultural challenges that we run into, right? God, one of God's attributes is that he is love. God is love, and God is good, and God is just, and God is holy. In fact, more, more times in the Bible than any other time, we see the attribute of God's holiness come up above his love. But in this, man, the love is a mega theme. In 1 John alone, John uses love 40 times in five chapters. I mean, it is a mega, mega theme. And I'll be honest with you, at 15 years old, it was the love of God that changed my life. It was the love of God that, that caused me to become a Christian, to trust in Jesus. It was the love of God that wrecked me. But if you and I elevate one of God's attributes above the others, we start getting into dangerous territory. And, and so I just want to help us understand that, that when, when it comes to embracing God's love, we need to understand, understand it for what it is. That God is love, but he's also holy, for example. And so our, our culture, here's, here's what happens, especially in the West, and you probably heard this, people love this verse because they look at behavior, they look at how you're acting, they look at, you know, something that is, seems intolerant or whatever. You can put a, whatever words, you know, and you blast people on social media. You can do all that. But people hear the, the phrase, God is love, and what they turn it into and what they hear is love is God. And if we're not careful, what we do is we create a definition. We create a definition of God, or rather, we create a definition of love that we judge God by. So you might be sitting here and you say, okay, this is what love means to me. And then if God doesn't line up with my 
definition of love. If he doesn't do X, Y, and Z, or you know what, that's not very loving of God. Or God wouldn't do that if he was loving. You see what I'm saying? You see the argument? If I make love God, and I create the definition, I create the standard by which God must submit to in order to fit into that category of love, I have now switched around God being love for love being God. Here's all I want to share with you. I'm not trying to get into a, a deep conversation this morning on that. But it's God who determines and defines what love is, not us. You guys with me? God is love. But we should look to God for that definition of love, not, not try to make God fit into our definition of love. It's really, really important. Side note. Um, again, this mega theme, genuinely in the Bible, is, God, is about God's love. And, and so I need you to know, like you, you, person, you sit in the room, okay? You, yourself. You were made to love, and you were made to be loved, right? You have this longing inside of you to be loved. In, in multiple different categories of relationships, right, there's this deep longing inside of every human on the planet to be loved. And what happens is if we're not careful, God wired us to find that, that, that need met in a relationship with him, and, and if we're not careful and we don't go to God to, to have that need met, what happens is we turn to other people to meet that need. And the problem is what we try to do is be loving. We try to have a loving relationship with somebody, but it ends up being a taking relationship because I need you to do for me something that you weren't made to do. And I begin to put the pressure on you, the weight on you, the weight on others, whether it's a significant other, whether it's friends, whether it's family, it doesn't matter. Every category of relationship, we look to others to start loving us in a way that only God can, and we begin to crush them under the weight of getting them to try to be God when they were never made to meet that need in the first place. John's point today is that we go to God, the source for the love that we need. We're going to experience it in community. We're going to experience it in relationships. But that ultimate longing is not found in someone else, but it's found in a relationship with God. And so that was my story, right? At 15 years old, um, and quite honestly, a couple of years after I started following Jesus, I had this deep longing for love. Especially in like an intimate relationship. And I, and I kept putting the weight of the love of God on all of my relationships with every girlfriend that I had. And it was incredibly unhealthy and it was incredibly damaging. I'll be honest with you. The first couple of years of my marriage, as a follower of Jesus, I would flip back and forth. I'd go to God and I'd go to Danielle. I'd go to God and I'd go to Danielle. And she'd tell you that I would crush her under the weight of trying to get her to meet a need that I could only find in God. And God has continued over and over again to bring me back to this source. Because here's the deal, listen, the love of God, when you and I genuinely get a handle on it, the love of God changes our life. It sets us free so that we can serve others. Rather than taking, we can give. Jesus pulled it down and said, honestly, man, you want to know what it looks like to follow me? It's just love. It's loving God and people. But it starts first, first with receiving love. So John's point, the first one, because God is love, he says that love flows from God. If you're a note taker, this is for you. Very simply, love flows, flows from God. If we're going to find the source, it's not going to be other relationships. It's not going to be anything externally. It's going to be a relationship with God that we find this need met. Now he goes on in verse 9. Check this out. 
He says that in this, the love of God was made manifest, tangibly expressed and known, okay? This is so helpful. God didn't say, I love you from afar and hope that you could figure it out, right? How, how do we know the love of God? John would say that he has shown us that love. This love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved, but that, listen, this is amazing. He loved us, and he sent his son to be the sacrifice for our sins. This is love. Not that we try to love God, but that he has already proven, manifested, made available his love. How do we know the love of God? It's already screaming through the cross of Jesus. This is what wrecked me at 15, that God loved me. He sent Jesus to die for me. He rose again to give me new life. I was like, are you kidding me? Me? Why? <laughs> not, not me. Right? This incredible love of God was demonstrated through Jesus. And, and this is where we were talking about the, the you know, elevation of, of God's attributes, right? So you have love of God and the holiness of God. This is where the love of God and the holiness of God intersect. You can't separate them. You guys with me on this? Because, because these two go hand in hand at the cross. Some people want to only talk about the love of God. Just like, let's just talk about the good side, good vibes, and let's just talk about that part. But listen, the cross of Jesus is this incredible intersection, right? There's this incredible, you know, iconic, you know, it turns into a necklace and earrings and it's everywhere you look. There's this cross that follows the Christian tradition. Why? Because it's the most tangible expression of God's love that the world has ever seen. We don't follow Jesus because the Bible says we don't believe in God because the Bible says. We're not reassured of this love of God because the Bible says or because some pastor told us somewhere or because some old dead guy said it. We believe in the love of God because it was demonstrated historically, pinpoint, on the map, in time, Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, being buried and rising again. Hundreds of eyewitnesses launches the church, eventually creates the Bible as we have it, right? We've got to get this order right. This is amazing stuff when we get our hearts and minds around it. Because of the holiness of God, he had to deal with sin, right? Man, Jesus is some really good news. But it's only good news because there's some bad news. Sin is a problem. We are born separated from God. And God, in his incredible love, did everything in our place for us to reconcile us back to himself. So the holiness of God is dealt with on the cross, and the love of God is expressed on the cross. You guys with me on this? That God dealt with sin, his holiness dealt with sin through Jesus instead of me. That's amazing. His holiness dealt with sin through Jesus instead of you. And that, that friends, it's unbelievable to me that Jesus would reconcile the holiness and the love of God in that one spot in history for you and I that God loves you and is pursuing you and has made a way for you, that you do nothing to earn it or deserve it. You simply receive the gift of God made available through the payment of Jesus. It's amazing. And so this cross 
is the place that the love of God has been most tangibly expressed on the planet. Okay, you guys with me on this? This is really, really important. God won't love you any less than he loves you today, regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey. And God can't love you anymore. He has loved you to the fullest today. And friends, I need you to know, if you have never trusted in Jesus, then currently right now, you are separated from the love of God. You are separated from the forgiveness of God. But I need you to know, you don't have to be. The best decision I have ever made in my entire life was trusting in Jesus. And he changed everything. And he can do it for you. So John's second point is that the love, love flows to us through the cross. Again, how do, we, how do we give what we don't have? It flows from God to us through the cross. He goes on. Check this out, verse 11. He says that, beloved, again, he just loves, he loves it over and over again, reminding us of who you are, right? Beloved, if God so loved us, again, kind of circular argument. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us. That word means to remain or to stay with. It's relational. God abides in us, and his love is perfected, made complete, made, made, made shown through us. By this, we know that we abide in him, have this relationship with him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. This is amazing. God takes his love. It flows to us through the cross, and then he deposits it literally inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so when you and I respond to Jesus, we believe Jesus is God, we repent of our sin, we, we simply align our hearts and minds with what God says is true, that we need a Savior, we need forgiveness, we want a relationship with him. In that very moment, Jesus said that we go from dead spiritually to alive and we receive the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. Literally, there's language used of like this well bubbling up inside of you. You say, where do I get the source? God says, I'm gonna put the source in you. Say, how do I love God? It's so hard to love God. He says, I'm gonna give you the power to love me. How do I love neighbors? How do I love spouses? How do I love hard people to love? He says, I'm gonna give you that power. I'm gonna put it inside of you. That word perfect, it means to be brought to full expression. I love this. You and I have never seen God. But what John is getting at is that people can see God through us. That the way that we love is not natural like Charlie talked about two weeks ago. So natural love is I love you because you love me. Natural love is easy love. But what Jesus invites us to, what God commands us to is a supernatural love. To love people that I don't like, to love people who don't like me, to love my enemies, to love people who have hurt me, to love people who, who have not loved me well, to love people who drop the ball consistently and come up short, to continue to love regardless of what I receive. That's a supernatural love that we are commanded as followers of Jesus to give. You see, where do I get that? God says, I'm going to put it inside of you. Abide with me. Walk with me. I want you to have the picture. Like if, if this is bubbling spring, then you're not a reservoir, you're a river. It's not something that you just receive in and of yourself. It's something that is being poured into you and is flowing out of you. This is the love of God that he's talking about. And so, man, you've got to ask the question, you're like, how do I show up with joy in my home? How do I show up with joy in my workplace? How do I show up and serve and love when it's so stinking hard to do that, especially when it's not appreciated and they got an attitude and they use that tone? Ugh. I'm going to love them. i got some love for them right here, right? Yeah, like, how, how do I do that? 
Listen, I was thinking about it. We have, we have people who serve, up on we, uh, serve on our weekend teams every week. By the way, can we put our hands together for everyone that's been serving today? Man, so awesome, right? Our production team, our welcome team, coffee, city kids. Can I be honest with you? What does it take to show up and serve a bunch of little kids every week and communicate the love of Jesus to them? The supernatural love of God. I'm, I am so serious. How do I show up with joy to serve kids every week? Well, I definitely don't have it in me. I can barely serve my own kids in my own home, much less somebody else's. Man, how do I do it? The power of the Spirit. How do I serve coffee? How do I be on a welcome ride? You, you join a team and you show up to serve. How do I make sure that I show up with, with joy and love and this love that God's talking about? Well, it's not in me. Got to get it somewhere else. I want you to think about Jesus for a second, okay? So Jesus is the Son of God. Philippians 2 says that he emptied himself of his divine attributes to be like you and me. He lived a completely 100% human life while also being 100% God. And you say, how did he do it? How did he live a, live a sinless life? Like, how, how did he not just punch Judas in the nose when he kissed him on the cheek and betrayed him? I mean, how did he not just lose it? How did he stay on the cross and suffer when he could have called legions of angels to just nuke everything, right? Like, how did he do it? Jesus and John would tell us it was the power of the Holy Spirit. I need you to hear me. The same power of the Holy Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you trusted in Jesus, that same power lives in you. And so John's third point here is that love flows through us by the Holy Spirit. You say, how do I do this? Just ask. Holy Spirit, I need your help to love them. I need your help to be a good husband, to be a good dad, to be a good neighbor, to be a good coworker. I need your power to give what I don't have. Verse 14, check this out. He's going to land the plane here. He says, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. There it is again, literal, historical. We've seen it with our eyes, John is saying. I was there. We've seen the Son, who God sent to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Can I ask you? Man, do you know that for yourself? Do you believe that for yourself? Because John wants you to. I want you to be utterly convinced of the love of God for you today. He says God is love, and whoever abides, again, remains. We're talking about a relationship. We're, we're talking about this continual flow. God abides in him, and by this is love perfected, made complete, made manifest through us, with us, so that we might have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. What's he saying? He's saying that the love of God is so convincing for us that we can't help but make it known in the world around us. Listen, if you're a part of this family at City Church, we, we've said it over and over again that God didn't call us to start a weekend service. He called us to reach a city. He's called us as missionaries to the city to love, to serve, and engage. I want you to think about a foreign missionary, someone who moves to a foreign place to engage a culture. What do they do? They engage a culture. They meet people where they are. They assimilate themselves into a place so that they can love people well. As, as followers of Jesus, listen, we've said it over and over again. 
We're not going to wait for people to come to us, but out of the love of God, it's going to push us. It's going to just, it's going to overflow in us to meet people where they are, to love them and to serve them and walk with them as long as it takes, doing whatever it takes to show them and convince them of the love of God. That's what John is saying here. And, and you got to ask, listen, think about it. When you show up, because you know what, as followers of Jesus, you're not always going to be loved for how you love. You're not always going to be loved for holding on to the definition of God's love. And so then what, what's going to happen is people are going to look at you and they're going to say, why do they keep giving when nothing is given in return? Why do they keep loving when they're rejected? Why do they keep loving when they're mocked? Why do they keep showing up when they're ridiculed? Why do they keep you know, loving and serving and giving when there's nothing in it for them? And eventually it's going to lead someone in your life, in your circles of influence where you live, work, and play. They're going to say, why do you do that? And they're going to have the chance to put the pieces together because they're loved. And they're going to say, well, loved by who? And the answer is God. That's why we do what we do. Let me show you this last little bit, verse 19. There's no fear in love. Because perfect love casts out fear. When you really get a handle on the love of God for you, there's no fear. No fear of others around you. No fear from God. Because fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected. They don't have a handle on the love of God. We love he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen can't love God whom he has not seen. This command we have from Jesus, straight from the mouth of Jesus, whoever loves God must also love his brother. We love because he first loved us. I want you to think about it. I don't know where you are today. But what does fear cause us to do? Fear causes us to withdraw. Fear causes us to get defensive, does it not? Toward God and toward others. And eventually what he's going to say is fear ultimately leads to hate. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid you're going to take from me. I'm afraid I've got to protect my stuff. Then I can't love you because I've got to defend myself. But if I get a hold of the love of God for me, I can love you without fear what you're going to do, or what you're going to say. Can we be honest? We live in a culture that's kind of characterized by fear right now, do we not? This is not a permission to be foolish, but this is an invitation to settle our hearts in the love of God. Because the love of God sets you free to love others without reservation. So, let me, let me land with this big idea, okay? You and I, we're loved. We're loved. You are loved. Emphatically, without a doubt, God has already demonstrated his love for you. Whether you've received it or not, that, that's something that you know for yourself today. We are loved. And check this out, listen. Because we're loved, we love. We love because that easy. It's that simple. It's that real. And it's a relationship with Jesus daily 
intimately that overflows into relationship with my brothers and sisters, part of the family of God, and that flows out of us into the world around us, those who don't yet have relationship with Jesus. This is the exact same thing we see modeled in the life of Jesus. This is exactly what John is talking about, and it's the exact rhythms you, invite, you and I are invited into on a daily basis. So, let me ask you, where are you today? Are you convinced of the love of God for you? Have you responded to the love of God for you? Friends, if you haven't, then don't miss out on the best thing that's ever been made available. And when I was 15, I had no idea what it meant to pray, read the Bible. I didn't go to church. I didn't do any of that. I went home on a Wednesday night, 15 years old, closed my door. And I said, God, I don't even know how this works. <laughs> know how to pray. I guess we're going to just talk to the ceiling for a sec. I believe that you love me. I believe you sent Jesus to die for me. I know I'm broken. I know I've got my own stuff. I want a relationship with you. I want you to forgive me. I want to follow you. And the best I knew how I kind of fumbled these words out of trusting in Jesus. And friends, he saved me and set me free to love him and to love others. And he'll do the same for you today. And if you want to make that decision, man, please let us know on your connection card so we can help you. If you're a follower of Jesus and you have never been baptized in water publicly after the moment that you gave your life to Jesus, that's one of the most significant and exciting moments of celebrating externally what Jesus has done for us internally. I would encourage you. And if you want to know more about baptism, let us know on that connection card. When it comes to growing and following Jesus, listen, that's why we have groups. It's why we have growth track. It's why we gather in community. We are here for you to help you abide, to help you grow, to help you love, to help you serve. You're not alone. But there's not a single person here who can meet your needs. There's a God here who can meet them all. Let me pray for you. God, thanks so much for the privilege that we have of seeing your love, of experiencing your love, of responding to your love and receiving your love. And I pray right now for my friends in the room who maybe don't know you, who maybe haven't started that relationship, but today they'd have the faith to trust in you for the first time. For those of us that are followers of you, man, maybe we're distracted, we're frustrated, we're, we're annoyed, we're struggling and we just need the help of your Holy Spirit to love others. Or maybe we need the help of your Holy Spirit to even open our Bibles and spend time with you. And we need your power in our lives. And every single one of us, God, you have put us in places where we live, work, and play around people who you love deeply, who are not in your family yet. God, would you break our heart for what's, what breaks yours, that in the same way that you have pursued us, you are pursuing them, and you plan to pursue them through us. So God, whatever's on your heart, put it on ours today. It's in Jesus' name.